the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, The Athletic delivers everything you need on every sports story that matters. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. For access to all the stories, visit theathletic.com slash spot track and get 40% off your first year subscription. Today, we are also presented by the online betting guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert? Knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries. Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans in OLBG.com's NBA Pick'em Contest. Enter for free and share your NBA picks to win cash prizes every single month. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions to compete for top place in the leaderboard, while at the same time helping others make informed betting decisions. Show them what you've got today at olbg.com. It's a big free agency primer today. I've got plenty of notes and tidbits and thoughts and what to watch for and spending trends from the past couple of years and positional trends from the past couple of years and which positions have depth in terms of free agent availability and who might be trade candidates in terms of the availability and just some price tags on certain players and just a a load of notes. I I did a lot of homework for this one. I'm going to bring in Scott to kind of bounce some things off of him as well. But uh, a lot of names, a lot of numbers, a big time. We're about three weeks away now from the start of the league year. Still don't know exactly where that league cap is going to be. I have no idea what that means for the franchise tag situation, which is really just days from opening up. You know, I don't know how you would franchise tag Aaron Jones in Green Bay if you don't know what that value is going to be. But I'm sure the uh, powers that be are working on that as we speak. Maybe there'll be a bit of a delay in that whole process as they uh, just try to understand and uh, get themselves closer to a firm number so that you know these ducks can fall, fall into a row because tags, rookie wage scale, restricted tenders, all that stuff matters to the league cap. So it's a big enchilada that's got to fall here and then we can sort of get back into some normalcy with this offseason. But we're gonna we're just gonna pretend like, you know, we got the site at 185 in terms of a league cap. That's kind of a comfortable number for us. We're gonna operate like the numbers that exist on Spot Track are the offseason numbers. And, you know, when we t- when we talk about Leonard Williams value or Curtis Samuels value in the next couple of minutes here, it's based on what we think is gonna happen, not what we know is gonna happen. And that's just how we operate. So plenty to get to. I'm gonna bring in Scott and talk it all out. All right, Scott, less than a month until the the NFL free agency season is here. We've had some big moves already. Some of these players hitting street free agency. Of course, these unconfirmed but reported trades. What's the next big move? Before we dive into this and and where we're headed is (laughs) down a pretty deep free agent rabbit hole. So, uh, you know, let's get some sanity out there first. What's next? Is it going to be another big trade? Is it the Mariota situation we talked about last week? Is it another big veteran to hit the free agent market? Who's, you know, does the Deshaun Watson stuff really start to pick up? Or is that dead? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it'll ever be dead. Uh, I'm going to say it will be another trade because teams that are jockeying for, uh, you know, 
creating the the cap space that is going to be needed. I mean, we've been seeing it with Carolina. Yeah. I'm sure some other teams are going to be doing it. I, there's there's going to be probably some big notable cap casualties of players that are are going to be free agents like JJ Watt, but I think as we've been talking for the last couple months here, the trade is a, a way for teams to acquire uh really good players where they don't necessarily have to deal with the bonus money that's already been allocated. So I think the trade is still going to be the next the next step. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two at you. One's easy, one's on a T. But what what maybe comes right after might surprise you. I think we get a Drew Brees retirement announcement tomorrow, today, whatever whenever you're listening to this, maybe Monday the twenty second. And maybe by the end of the week, we get a Ben Roethlisberger retirement announcement. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. I mean, I had a whole, I did a whole show on Pittsburgh last week. Uh, you yeah, know, you did. I mean, I, I, I wanted to dive as much as possible because I was seeing a different version of what I was hearing. You know, we look at things through a really specific lens. And I'm seeing seven pieces falling off this roster. And I'm seeing cap trouble. Even even you know with those players falling off, let alone trying to bring some of them back, I'm seeing a left tackle who's out. I, I'm seeing a center who just retired, a, one, a tight end who just retired, <laughs> the WR one out, the, the the RB one out, the edge rusher out, at least one of the cornerbacks out, maybe two. That's just too much. It's too much for a normal season, let alone a guy who's on his last legs trying to just kind of finish on his own terms, which is, you know, how Mark Kabali kind of stated Ben's situation right now. That's too much. So th- that's where I think might be next. It's, it's, it's retirement season, right? It's, it's the week before franchise tags when teams have to get serious about stuff. So I, I kind of think that might be coming definitely drew Brees, but I wonder if Ben isn't right there. And is there somebody else? Doesn't it feel like look every year it gets more and more. That, that players fall off age 34, age 35. Yeah. It, Isn't there going to be somebody we don't even think of right now just sitting out there? Yeah, I was going to say, even some of those guys that are, you know, late 20s, yeah. early 30s that are out of nowhere decide, I'm, I'm done, I don't want to yeah, deal with... what if CJ Mosley just doesn't want to come back to the or, Jets? You know what I mean? He opted out last year. Right. What, what, that's a perfect... Would, would surprise us, but wouldn't it? You know? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Those, those kind of players got high-level have made some kind of money in the league and just want to flip the switch on it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Kelvin Johnson-ish. Yeah. 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 To to, to a certain degree. Exactly. But, you know, different. it's a different climate. There's more money to be made now. The COVID stuff is not gone. And I don't know if it will be gone by September, certainly not by the training camp situation. So it's, I think we might see some surprises in terms of retirements this offseason. Yeah, yeah, you make a great point. And if for some reason Ben does retire, you know that that franchise has to ask, answer a lot of questions. We'll get there. <laughs> what, what, what direction? You we'll know, get there. Do Let, they blow it up. Let's start there because this is always how the. It's one of the big hats that I wear this time of year is who are the teams? So you know, before I go and evaluate what the Browns might be doing in free agency or who they might be franchise tagging or, or who, who are trade candidates, all things I've done now in the past couple of weeks. It's who are the Browns? That's question number one. 
you know, and that's a bad example because I think we, we kind of know exactly what they are. They are fringe contenders. So I, I would expect one big signing minimum and one big loss minimum, meaning OBJ gets traded or some, there's some kind of shakeup just to do enough to say we've changed the pulse of this team in a little bit in order to say we're going to get to the next level now. Whether or not whether or not he's holding them back or his cap number, whatever it is, you know, I'm not saying it's him specifically, but I, I you know, it could be a signing of JJ Watt, by the way, <laughs> an, an immediate change of pace to some degree. Uh, that's who the Browns are, but all these other teams, who are they? Well, a nice place to start, and where I generally start is, who were the teams last year that said to themselves, "It's time to spend money," and then for what reasoning? Were they spending that money? So we can just throw the Chiefs out of our, out of this conversation. Let's not even have that conversation. That's a Super Bowl winning team that decided they wanted to keep absolutely everybody, and they spent a ton of money. They allocated a ton of money down the lot, down the road, I should say. I've got bullet points next to the the top five spenders here from last year, Scott. I wonder if any of these bullet points stand out for you, because if i they were the, if i were then to bring in five teams from this year who we could maybe project as the top spenders would they have the same kind of caveats associated with them the characteristics associated with them for instance do we think the tampa bay buccaneers are going to be this version of the chiefs are they going all in on barrett godwin david fournette are they going to sign everybody to what they're worth which is what the chiefs did they didn't skimp on any of those contracts are we, we going to see that in 2021 or is COVID revenue stuff and the fact that the quarterback is 43, does it make it too much of a different scenario? Hmm. Uh, I, I, I think Tampa Bay is not going to go to the extent of the chiefs. I, I think that is probably is an anomaly okay. for, for all intents and purposes, but I think they they'll spend on some, but I think they're going to let others walk because you know, we've seen what Tom has done in the past and, you know, and what Tampa Bay did in bringing in guys off the street during the season that were released and it worked for them. So I, I, I'm not going to say that they're going to go out and spend like the Chiefs at all. Um, but you you have some great bullet points here. One one that sticks out is the Texans at number five, push because of the quarterback contract, which yep. you know it could be a handful of teams. Uh, you know the first that comes to mind is Dallas because sure. if they sign Dak or you know even if they franchise him, are they going to spend to put around Dak for the one year? So and, so and let, let's talk about the four teams because Dallas is perfect. There, there's four teams that are probably going big on quarterbacks. Okay. So Cleveland and Buffalo are at the top of that list. Correct. Right. I think Baker and Josh get contracts. And I think we, we know exactly who those teams are. They know who they are. They're not going to blink with those contracts in the middle is Baltimore. Correct. Is Baltimore pleased enough with the direction and the roster that they currently have that they can slap a Lamar Jackson contract on that right now and feel comfortable? Or does that feel a little bit more Deshaun Watson-y? Because this is what Houston did after signing Deshaun Watson. They traded, sorry, it was DeAndre Hopkins first. They traded DeAndre Hopkins first, then Deshaun signed. So J so David Johnson was now in the fold. The Larry McTunzel situation had already risen its head. 
they had shaken up. So maybe this is more about Deshaun than the Texans, but still, they were already shaking things up amidst this quarterback contract. Is Baltimore going to be doing that? Are they about to dump two wide receivers, two running backs, and, and completely reshuffle the offensive weapons, not to mention some of the defensive pieces? I, of all these teams, because you mentioned Dallas, and it's correct, but doesn't it feel like the only real piece that's going to move on Dallas is the quarterback, possibly? <laughs> like, everything else seems set in stone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good point, because they have already signed Cooper and Zeke, and that, I mean, they, they need to make four some... wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it seems like they're ticking. They just got to figure out the money with Dak and or whoever's going to be next. Somebody and I can't else. believe I'm saying right. that, but they're, they at least feel more solidified. But I, I worry that Baltimore is this version of Houston that even though that they, that they feel confident enough in Lamar, which is questionable in my opinion, but they do, they're going to sign him. but then are they going to shake up seven pieces on that starting lineup because they feel like they have to. Now the, now, the good thing is the offensive line is outstanding when healthy. So that's there. But so was Houston's. <laughs> so so it, to, to draw those two comparisons are a little bit terrifying for Baltimore, uh, knowing that it, the wheels could fall off. That Look, Houston was a back-to-back divisional round playoff team before everything fell apart last year. So it, it went from you know A to J in about an hour and a half. I, I feel like that's the team to watch. In, in the AFC next season is what kind of moves are Baltimore making and is it too much? Is it too disruptive? Um, because not that Houston, the Houston situation is probably, you know, that repeatable because it really, really got bad. But, you know, are the, aren't the Eagles there too? Isn't, the, isn't this the exact same conversation maybe on steroids? Super Bowl winners who now both those quarterbacks are out, the coach is out, all the offensive weapons are going to be out after this offseason. Most of the defense out. I mean, just a total gutting. So that that's, by the way, your t- your number two overall spender in 2019 mm-hmm. because of the Carson contract and, and others. So again, top spender, gar, or top three spender, completely disheveled now in 2021. And Houston's certainly on that path, especially if they, they lose Deshaun. So are you in agreement there? If those are the four quarterback contracts this offseason, is Baltimore really the one to watch out for? Yeah, I would agree with that yeah. for sure. You and I both kind of yeah. think Lamar shouldn't be signed this offseason, but I, I, sh- I sure think no, I, I sure hear it's going to. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I think they need to wait a year, see one more year out of him. Yeah, but, I, I mean. I get it if they're going to try to lock him up, but I mean, I think you're playing with fire there and you may end up in a situation where they, you know, they may be in Philadelphia's shoes in two or three years. So, I mean, obviously time will tell, but I I agree with that. Okay. Real quick, back to Tampa. Uh, I did this piece on .com where I, you know, foolishly predicted contracts and destinations for like, I don't know. How many, how many players do I think are here? Like 60? There's a lot. Yeah. It's probably 60 free agents that could hit the market. And there's seven Buccaneers on this list. I have four coming back and three going. Can you take a guess if you're not looking at the three that are out? Um, out. David? David comes back, in my opinion. Okay. Um. 
Godwin gone? Gone. I've got him on <laughs> five for 90 to Indianapolis, Scott. Okay. Mm, that'll be a nice fit there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Fournette's got to be gone. gone. Pittsburgh. Yes, I think that's a great. <laughs> you were talking about that last week with uh, the guy from the Athletic, and yeah. I, I, that 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 just makes sense. But I think it makes sense if Ben is there. If he's not there, you got to figure out who the quarterback is, and then you know that could change things. Sure. Um, who else? I'm trying to think of who else is a free agent. Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Dominican Bar- Sue. Barrett, Barrett gone. Nope. I'm bringing him back. Nope. I'm, and I'm paying him. And uh, it's in Dominican Sue, who I think yeah, I was, Sue. can really play. I, I mean, he, he is the preeminent defensive tackle to hit the market right now, even though he's 34 years old. I, I mean, I've been running the numbers here for this show. He was the most productive defensive tackle to, about to hit the open market. So there's certainly merit to bring him back. And if he wants to take a pay cut, you know, I've got him on one for seven, but even that seems like it may be too rich for Tampa, knowing all the, all that they have to bring back and squeeze into a one to two year process. Um, I, I've got him going to Carolina to replace Kwan Short, who was just released there. So that's uh, you know, Carolina is going to sign six to eight players, six to eight names whether or not they get the Sean Watson or not, it's very, very clear that the owner has said, we're going to push right now. So that's going to be one of your top five spenders, in my opinion, this offseason, Carolina. And I'm not even going to, I would bet money on that. I'd bet human dollars on that, that Carolina is going to be way up there now, whether or not, not that goes with a new quarterback or, or, or Teddy Bridgewater, who knows, but uh, you know, a bunch of the names on this free agent list are going to be Carolina Panthers. I can say that pretty confidently. So um, look, Tampa's got one of the most interesting situations for a lot of reasons, but I, I, I tend to agree with you that they're going to slow play some of it. It's not going to be all in like Kansas City went last year. I think that's rare, and we we've spent tons of time on it, Scott. How, you know the risk that comes with it because you know this all could blow up in two or three years. It may have already blown up. We don't even know it. They may not never get back in the in the Patrick yeah. Mahomes era. It's it's not crazy. We're talking Roethlisberger. He went two out of his like first four seasons and never again. So it's, it's not inconceivable that these things fall off a cliff and never come, you know, never retain themselves. But I, I would, I would hope that's not. Well, the case. That, yeah. And you know, that could be said for quite a few quarterbacks. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, similar situation, you know, yep. it, it, it Tom, Tom Brady has really spoiled a lot of potential Super Bowls for a lot of quarterbacks, whether AFC and now in the NFC. So, you know, it's just the nature of the beast of being in, in that era. But, you know, not only that, right. but now that he's successfully been a free agent to the Super Bowl, now he's broken that mold. And now he's got everybody squirreling around thinking, well, shouldn't we just move on from our current guy now? <laughs> you know, if, 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 X free agent is 10% better than what we have. Let's just do him. You know, let's just get him. So he's really got, uh, he's really been shaking the league up for 20 years successfully. And and this is just the last iteration of it. The least spending teams last off season, your Steelers are dead last. I'll get to it. Patriots are second last as per usual, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. But with a different tone and then your Seahawks, Seahawks are like an every other year. I did some quick data on them. They're basically an every other year spender where they'll just take a year off cash wise. 
and uh, reallocate things. They, they do a lot of staggering, just really good GM work. It just hasn't been, you know, 100% successful yet, or in a while at least. The, the problem I have with the Patriots is, well, they didn't realize how bad things were going to get at that point. You know what I mean? In March, the opt-outs came a lot later. And that was yeah, that's what really, you know, put a nail in the coffin of their season. They, uh, you know, they, they knew they were going to lose Brady at that point. But even at that point, Scott, the second that, that they knew they were off on Brady, they were done. They completely took their foot off the pedal, 100%. There wasn't a notable signing on that roster. They lost people to yeah. Detroit, Miami. They, they got, their free agents just ran out of New England. And, well, and they waited so long to sign Dak or uh, Cam. Yep. Oh, that's what I mean. They they yeah. they either didn't have a plan. They were completely taken aback by the opt outs, the Brady move, all that, or the plan was just to hang in the balance. Just we're just going to float through this year, you know, no, not knowing yet that that everything was going to go wrong. It did. And if you remember, they were in it, like eight weeks in. They were in it. They were in the conversation. They weren't contenders, but they were in the conversation. So it was actually a pretty damn good move to not spend anything, to really do absolutely nothing, because now they're in the driver's seat in a lot of positions, if they want to be. You know, The problem is they're not in the draft driver's seat. So if they're going to try to rebuild through the draft, something they have not been successful at, dating all the way back to Brady, by the way. I mean, nobody bets on a six-round pick. So... um, that is not going to be an approach that's going to be successful this year. They're just they're in the middle of the pack. They're going to have to give up a draft and a half to get up to get a guy that's serviceable to them. So it could be another weird, weird year for New England is, is the point of having them on this list. I, I don't know if they yet know what they can be. Uh, Buffalo certainly passed them. Miami's about to pass them if they haven't. I mean, they're going to they're going to really push, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But uh, you know, there are probably six to seven AFC teams now, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins, maybe Steelers, definitely Ravens, maybe Houston, who knows, uh, Indy. Uh, I'd put all of them now ahead of the Patriots kind of overnight. And they know that. And they know that they could probably poach three to four veterans off rosters via trade and poach maybe three to four legitimate free agents with their cap space and get get qualified, right? They could become decent, a quality team, maybe an indie type team, but they probably know it's not enough. And I want to see how this organization reacts to that because they, you know, it's easy when you're the A team in the AFC coming into March every year, we're the A team. All we got to do is tinker a little bit. We got to flip a tight end or, 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 you know, we're going to lose our defensive end. We just got to bring in two to, to fill the void. They knew exactly what had to happen March 17th every year. I'm not sure that's the case right now. And I wonder if there's just another pause year with the cash situation, with obviously their lack of ability to get a probably a viable immediate quarterback. I mean, they're going to take somebody, but I, I think it's going to be a, another weird year. So that's to me, that's a team to watch that's going to have cap space, but how do they, is it just going to be rollover? You know, where, where are you with this? Is this, Am I kind of reading into it too much because I've done too much <laughs> thinking and preparation for this kind of stuff? Or I guess it's just it's hard to put your 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 thumb on who the Patriots outside of Brady can be. 
No, you make an absolute great point. I mean, they're 15th in the draft right now. Yeah. So yeah. Did, what way do they want to go? Like you said, their track record is not good with drafting. So do they just do they start punting on the draft and trading these picks for players that they think they can bring in? And, right. And, Ram style. And, yeah. And, yeah. And go that route where we know how to evaluate players that have already been in the league. Let's go that route instead of taking these picks and completely missing in, in. Okay. So, so would Mariota to new England surprise you then? Not at all. No, not right? at all. I mean, isn't that maybe the, the easiest way forward for them right now? Yeah. And like I said, it, they've done a pretty good job of acquiring players through free agency or trades that have made impacts to the team. And, you know, they're sort of at that point of, they didn't, they were sort of mediocre last year. If they're mediocre or even worse next year, the, the, the headlines are going to be, it was definitely Tom <laughs> that was the new England Patriots and not Belichick. So he, from my standpoint, Belichick in that front office, they need to go the route that they're most comfortable with to acquire the players. I mean, we saw the draft immediately after Tom was gone and we all scratched our head with yeah. what they were doing. They, they, for some reason they, they overthink the draft, but they don't overthink trades or free agent signings. So with that being said, if they have the amount of cap space that they're going to have $68 million or wherever the cap ends up being around there that with that space, you know, that they can bring in some decent players. They can trade for some decent players to really gel around. And like I said, if it's a Mariota or somebody else that they bring in that they think is going to fill in, then great. If not, if they think that they can't land some of these players, yeah. then yes, they need to quote unquote tank and roll over as much space as possible into that following year. Because, you know, th there may be the, the spike of cap. So there, yep. that rollover could be even more because if there's that spike from the signings of these TV deals that are being talked about in, in over the weekend here, you know, it came out that said that, the, the league is asking for 100% more than what they were before. So essentially doubling what they're asking prices, that is going to be a massive – it's going to be NBA-ish where yeah. that league cap goes up $30 million or whatever it might be. And then if the teams are smart and know that they're – Patriots could be in this boat, if they're rolling over, say – 40 million well, and then the cap st stick up. on the NBA because you're, you're dead on which team did this right before the NBA cap boom. The warriors, the warriors <laughs> to get their Durant, the warriors and knew what was coming. They, they, they took an 18 month process of shedding cap, trading people off that roster, getting their draft situation figured out that they, they played that, those odds and it won big. It turned them into a mini dynasty. So you're, you're spot on here. This could be the evil genius situation all along is screw Brady. He was never a part of this plan. This plan is going to be now we're going to, we're going to bank on the fact that the league's going to go way down, then way up. And that little cat, it's like the stock market, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a GameStop situation that the, that the Patriots can play. And if they can roll their cards right and they bring the most amount of capital into 2022, 
well, that's when you're going because now the league's going to be able to back you, <laughs> right? It, it's look. By the way, one more point on that before we get off the Patriots because it's been way too much. <laughs> the fact that you you read that little tidbit this week about how they're trying to lock down the TV money and double the TV money and all that. It's not an accident. They're trying to no. do it right now because if and they can, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. If, if, if they can do it right now, it means they're not going to drop this cap. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is why I've been overconfident with this salary cap. They are not, they do not want to drop this thing. 15 million. They don't, it's, it's reckless. They know it. They know all the ramifications. I'm not speaking, you know, some new things out here. <laughs> They know it, and this is just this is proof that they are doing the work, the business work behind the scenes to find every way possible to ensure themselves that everything's going to be okay if they have to take a bath this year, keep that cap where it is, make everything else work, even though it's going to be reckless for you know this season for them from a business standpoint, so that they don't have the drop and then the big-time jump that the NBA had because, A, teams can take advantage of it, and, B, it's terrible for the players. It's a it's a horrible situation for this free agent class versus a great situation for next year's free agent class. It's just it's an integrity problem, is what it is. So the fact that you're you're able to bring that up is that it, it means that the league is doing the process right now to get 2022 numbers in house. They want to know exactly what they're going to have so that they can make decisions today for tomorrow. And if you're a free agent and an agent. And knowing that information oh, yeah, know. going into free agents, you only want you're only going to want to sh- sign a one year or two year, whatever it might be, because you're going to want to jump on that that big jump when that TV money comes in, especially if it's going to be that amount. Nice transition. So, what to watch this free agency? That's number one. A lack of multi year deals, and it you know it may look and smell like a two year deal when when Schefter <laughs> drops the bomb, but. It's going to be a one-year deal. Either that's how the guarantees are structured, or it's literally going to be a one-year deal plus an option year. And you know, it's going to be very NBA style. I, and look, if you don't believe me, the other leagues can tell us the answers. Major League Baseball had 125 free agent signings thus far. It's pretty much done. 27 of them were for two or two years or more. 27 of 125. <laughs> All right, it's down. It's down pretty good. I mean, over a two-year span, it's down about 15%. NBA. And I had to do some legwork on this because there's so many one-year deals plus a player option. But I, I actually got some real numbers here. 38 of 104 free agent signings this year in the NBA were of t- two years or more, two real years or more, you know, no, no options. Um, that's almost half of what we saw in 2019 in terms of the free agent market in the NBA. So the NBA is already a, small, a smaller contract league, and even them – even their free agency was cut down to one year's almost 50%. So it's common. And there's no question that the NFL players, and and we're starting to see some players understand the benefits of it much, you know, to bring it back to the NBA. We're starting to see some tweets out there about, Hey man, why don't we just all get together on one team? Like if one team has a ton of cap space, well, let's just (laughs) all go there and one year deals. Well, what does that sound like? Right. And yeah. uh, that's going to happen. There's going to be one or two teams that have cap space that are just going to say, let's just build a free agent dream team and of one or two year contracts of guys who like each other, you know, Bosch, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, that kind of situation. And we'll see if that kind of chemistry in a one year situation can, can pan out. 
it kind of did in Tampa Bay. Isn't that kind of what just happened? Yeah. It's Brady yeah, and Gronk right. and AB. And just that's kind of what happened. So the the fact that the league is going to force that now with the cap situation, I, look out, look out for well, players that, that are friends off the yeah. field and uh, that stuff's all going to come. It, it, and that's a great point because you have a team like Jaguars. If they take Lawrence, yes, and he's good to go. And you get all these guys that want to go on one year deals and he can light it up. You know, it makes sense. You have the Indianapolis Colts that have well, 55 million and, you know, you get players that want to get on, on that team because they think they may have that chance. It's, it's a great point. Um, my question back to you is, I know NBA has a, a lot more player options and club options um, than, say, Major League Baseball in, in the NFL. Do you think in the NFL players and teams are going to start wanting to have more of those instead of just, you know, the the how you would say the, the, the opt out is going to be after year two or after year three because of how the money is? Do you think they're going to start to see actual player options or club options built into the contracts more this year than they have in the past? No question. Club options. If the players can get them, like if it's, if it's a player of importance or a position of importance, you're going to see that second year player option uh, because the team is going to want, is going to, is going to want to hope that they can make that a, a fruitful enough option that the player will want to stay with their team. Teams want longer contracts. Players want shorter contracts. That's just the nature of it. Um, because of the fact that they're not 100% guaranteed. So that's why Dak mm-hmm. Prescott doesn't want a six-year contract. He wants a four-year contract with three guaranteed now and the fourth that locks in in two years. Um, that's the nature of what power is in the NFL in terms of contracts. So if players are going to sign a one-year contract, and that's the next bullet point on this list, what to watch, if there's going to be a rash of one-year deals, essentially prove-it deals, or maybe this will work out deal, they better be 75% guaranteed, you know, at a minimum. Uh, you know, our, our guaranteed numbers have risen. You and I have been tracking that quite a bit every free agency. I think we're up to like 49%. Isn't it close to there? 40, yeah, 47, there. 49% uh, of yeah. total value contracts on average guaranteed. And that's up big. I mean, we were in the 30s not too long ago. So that's really taking a step forward. However, throw out the trends. If it's going to be one years plus options, if it's going to be two years with voidable years built in for signing bonuses, the pro rate, you know, those are the kind of things we're going to see the creativity with the cap agents and players have to push and say, fine, you know, it's all going to be guaranteed. You know, it's going to be a roster bonus due in four days, or it's going to be a minimum base salary, but a signing bonus with the rest of it, you know, you know, we'll make it work with a cap, but I want cash in hand or I want guaranteed at signing in hand. That's going to be the trade-off here. And that, by the way, could be very, very, very important for the future of this league. Because if this works, if another Tampa Bay situation happens, like, by the way, the team is Carolina. Carolina has a basically NBA owner in David Tepper, a businessman with a ton of money and a lot of charisma, and and he's loud, and you can just tell he's that kind of owner. He's the kind of guy you'd expect to be, you know, best buds with Mark Cuban right now. And... That's exactly why I see him shedding cap space, Scott, is he sees the tea leaves. He's reading what I'm reading here, which is if Juju Smith-Schuster has four good friends that are about to hit free agency, or even not, maybe we can just collude them out of their current teams via trade. We just have to have the space available, the the, the, the open container to be able to say, Juju and your be- your four best friends, 
let's go play in 2020 who care, or 2021 excuse me don't care about anything else i'll give you full guaranteed you know one for 20 let's play ball that's what i see happening in carolina that's what i see at least could be happening with this cap shed it's not realistic to shed your shed cap for for Deshaun Watson by the way because Deshaun Watson's cap hit is 10.5 million so unless it's Deshaun Watson and seven of his friends there's really no reason to shed cap space right now for him so I I look even more down the road with what the Carolina Panthers might be doing and it's more the NBA style the the let's get some people together who like each other who know each other who want to be on one year fully guaranteed contracts and if that happens and it's somewhat successful is that now a trend because that's all it took in the NBA. I mean, that, that Miami team we're talking about in the NBA, the LeBron team, that started a generation of small contracts, you know, one plus ones with player options. It, it swung the pendulum to the players. Decisions, control, you know, maximize your earnings in one year. So another reason for the league to figure out the cap situation, Scott. Because if a cap of 180 is going to force one-year deals... And this is what's going to happen, right? The players are going to be able to control their 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 destiny on one-year deals with with tons of guaranteed money in them. Is that going to be where the league's going? Owners do not want this. They do not want this to be how the NFL operates because they lose leverage, control, stability, the ability to market. You know what I mean? If you're if your best receivers on a one-year contract, you're not selling jerseys. This is not happening because yeah. who knows where he's going to be in in six months. So. It's a it's one of those things that the players could actually win out from long term if the cap drops and one year deals become the thing and higher guarantees become the thing. So we'll see. Something to keep an eye on there for sure. What else is well, what else stands out to you in this in this weird offseason? Well, it it just hit me here as you were talking, and you, you meant we mentioned the you know, the TV money coming in, and that might be a sign of so. One more thing, then we'll get into some of these actual positions. Look, if this thing ends up being 180, okay, and you know we've got to chop five five million of space off of our current cap tracker, and three to four more teams jump into the negatives in terms of space, but just to start. But the if year. the fl- but if but if they've already set the floor at 180, I don't foresee them saying their cap is going to be 180. That gives no wiggle room. So yeah, but you got to remember that's not a, that's to- not a spending floor. That's the it won't. They're saying the league cap will not go bef- below 180. It's them saying gotcha. we're going to do our best to get it higher it's at least. But it's, it's going to be at 180. least 180. Yeah. Gotcha. So gotcha. so let's say it gets. The, let's say it's actually 180, and there's more negatives in terms of cap space to start the league year it's going to be bad news for the agents because a team like the Raiders, who I think are going to be pretty active this offseason, not just the Mariota trade, but other moves to try to shore up Derek Carr's offense. You know, they're going to, they're going to be coming into March 17th with negative whatever space. And when they sit down with, oh, let's say... T.Y. Hilton. And T.Y. Hilton says, I, I can still do it. I still score touchdowns. I think I'm worth $14 million a year. I'd like four for 64. They're going to show them their cap table and say, well, we have negative $9 million to work with. So <laughs> uh, we can start at $8 million a year. And when it ends up at $10 million a year, you know, four for 40 for T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton will have a contract that he's not happy with, and it's going to be two for 20 million guaranteed or something like that. 
and you know it, they're going to be chopping him him off at the legs with leverage that the that the league has given them meaning all of these teams want to be as close to, close or below the minimum as possible to be able to go to these free agents and say I don't know what to tell you I'd love to give you more you know you're a great player we'd love to have you on this roster but this is all we can do it's what the patriots have done for two decades consistently it's been their way winning matters not having cap space matters all these teams are going to do this they're going to they're going to crunch down it they're going to not release players they're going to not make those trades yet so that they can start to use some of the some of this cap crunch as leverage in negotiating rooms so the timing of it very nba like the timing of the moves is going to be important so that teams can leverage down free agent contracts before they make one or two big releases or one or two big trades that that actually facilitate their offseason a little bit more but something to keep an eye out for yes we're seeing some players fall off of rosters right now but that's got their own reasoning jj watt was kind of a good a good natured move out of houston <laughs> not that they had a choice really uh and carolina situation i think is just they're they're on their own island right now trying to trying to make their decisions so I do think a lot of teams are going to benefit from the fact that they don't have cap space to work with because now to go and negotiate will be in their favor slightly. So that's just the last thing. Want to get into some position stuff? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Quarterbacks. Here's what, <laughs> I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of quick stats. I'm going to give you a couple of names. We're, we're, this is, by the way, all free agency. All players who may hit free agency in you know 25 days. So the quarterbacks. Do you know that Mitch Trubisky had 14 turnovers in, in less than 600 snaps last year? He had six fumbles. Six wow. fumbles. I mean, I, I don't watch the guy that much. He, I, I know he's average at best below in a lot of stats. That's that's not a great stat to bring into free agency, though. Uh, not at all. So any, any kind of premonition we had of, of Trubisky getting a starting job this year, I'm going to say that's a major red flag right there. How about Dak on the opposite? Because, look, he got hurt so early that I think a lot of people forget the kind of run he was on. He was on a legitimate MVP run before he got hurt. And it's it's this. He had 12 touchdowns and 360 snaps, nine passing touchdowns and three rushing. He was averaging over 370 yards passing per game. And he was running quite a bit, obviously, as the injury happened. But... uh he was doing everything. He is a $40 million quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind whether or not that's going to be for Dallas or Carolina, I guess remains to be seen, but uh, he was outstanding and I wouldn't be afraid one iota to pay that guy money right now. Why don't you give the name that I have on the watch list in terms of free agent quarterback, Scott, go ahead. Andy Dalton. Yeah. And and we talked about him, I think last week too. And does he get a shot at a start? And, you know, I, I think he gets a shot. I just don't know which team it's going to be. Is he somebody's I mean, plan B for Mariota right now? Like, is he Chicago or Washington or New England's plan B? Is that really outside of the realm? I mean, if, I, if you look at the list no. of free agent quarterbacks that are about to come available, Tyrod Taylor, Trubisky, Dalton, Cam Newton. Uh, I, I, I can't name any more. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's not a great list. So either you're, you're bringing somebody via the trade or you're drafting somebody or these are your guys. So 
of the guys that you're going to be able to sign for nothing on free agency, I think Dalton is far and away the leader. Now, I'd ra- would I rather have Sam Darnold? Yes. Would I rather have, you know, one of these trade up Mariota? Probably. But Dalton's kind of sneaky. Sorry, I should I should mention Jameis. That's disrespect to Jameis. Yeah. Jameis is at least in this conversation for sure. Um, but I, I just think Andy Dalton, he had a weird 2020. We've we've said it. COVID injury. You know, Dak's freak injury kind of threw him into the fire. You know, brand new team. I just wonder. I wonder if there's a starting spot out here in 2021. And there's teams that now have missed on other trades that at least are options. So that's the name to watch. Why don't you give us the running back situation? Super interesting. When are they not going to be interesting? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Well, that's a great transition because I, I heard a guy over the weekend, I think it was over the weekend or on Friday, and they were talking about quarterbacks and running backs and how Dak Prescott gets injured and he's still going to be a $40 million guy. Yeah, no, not so even you get a running back. Yeah. You get a running back who gets injured and yeah, then, sprains a you know, pinky. The sky, the sky <laughs> is fall. The sky is falling on the running back, you know, contracts and how bad they are. But they're so, so important. They're so important. They I couldn't say You're it right. enough. The, the, the point of bringing it up here, Scott, and I'll kind of tee it up for you. We haven't had a, a free agent running back like Aaron Jones in quite a long time. Um, yeah, I'm not sure he gets there. I, there. They may be a deal or a franchise tag in his in his next seven days. But um, this is a, this is a real player, a real player, and he's been slow played a little bit. Yeah, he's got some injuries, you know, especially this in the in the postseason there. But there's two things to be said here. Number one is Aaron Jones. Uh, we just don't get 1,400 yards from scrimmage guys hitting the open market. We just don't. I guess the closest one was Delvin, who kind of came down to the wire right last year with a holdout. And he got his deal. Derrick Henry got his deal after a franchise tag. Aaron Jones can really play ball. He can catch. He can run. He's a yak guy. He, he is. He's a real, real player. And I'd be shocked if Green Bay didn't at least franchise tag him to see what, what kind of value he had. The, the reason I got Melvin Gordon here, Scott, is he was last year's kind of stud running back to hit the list. Yes, he came off an injury and a holdout. He, he hit the free agency with 900 yards from scrimmage. Hundreds less than what Aaron Jones has in terms of last year. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Melvin Gordon got two for 16, one for eight fully guaranteed, essentially eight million a year. Aaron Jones is worth double that. I mean, I've got him at like 14 and a half million dollars on a market value, but is Miami, you know, the kind of, or San Francisco, one of these teams that needs a running back pretty darn badly? Seattle, are they going to pay market price in free agency for Aaron Jones? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer anymore because we just don't see these guys hit. So I know what he's worth, but I know what happened last year with Melvin Gordon, who is just as dynamic in most regards. His his value came down four or five million in a, in an hour the second he hit the open market. So is that just how it's going to be? Is Aaron Jones going to be a ten million dollar running back? I think you'd have eight teams in on him at ten million a year. But and if you're doing that, you're signing a one year deal and jumping back in like we just talked about. That's exactly right. And yeah, the reason I have Marlon Mack here is he's my watch guy. Marlon Mack is like 19th on this running back list in terms of the free agents available, but an injury took him out of the conversation in 2020. He was the lead dog in Indy for years. He had 2000 rush yards across 18 and 19, 2000. Now he doesn't catch. He's a one trick pony, but if you're looking for a two down, three down back to, to actually run the ball, 
you know, if you've got a versatile guy that you need, you need a guy to run up the middle with, Marlon Mack might go for $2 million this year. That's just how it's going to work. You're going to have a ton of vet men's. You're going to have a ton of guys who maybe get $5 million a year are going to get two and a half to three. I, I think you're going to see some real names get go for dirt cheap. And there's two conversations here. It's what kind of value does Aaron Jones have if he hits versus everybody else? Everybody yeah. else is is in this other pool where it could be Kenyon Drake gets six or Kenyon Drake gets two. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Because supply, demand, and are how many teams are just going to say, screw it, we're just going to use a fourth-round pick this year instead? How many teams are just going to say that, you know? Yeah, you do make a great point. When I was saying the overpaying, I, I was thinking Aaron Jones in my mind. And and now that I'm looking at this free agent list here in the guise of their AAVs from last year, you're right. Most of them are below three million, and most of them are you know right, uh, you know mid, minimum deals for their their experience. It was so, Melvin Gordon yeah. and then a bunch of guys who got three million. But if those guys are but, all producers, it's not like they're not good running backs. Right, but and where I was thinking of the overpaying was in the short-term deal. If there if there is a guy that a team really wants and they really have their eye set on, yeah, they can play the deal of all right, we're going to give you the vim. But if they really want them and they think they're that piece away, then I could see teams slightly overpaying to get that guy if it's a one-term and say you know one one-year term and you're back on the free agency market, but you're, you're paying that one burst of money to that one player. But I get it. As we've seen the, these free agent deals have been, it's been bad valued over the years. Yeah. It has been, it's been bad. But, and of all the positions, you know, how do we expect this one to hold up in this off season? You know, especially with what's going on with the wide receivers, which we can get to now 12 wide receivers who caught 50 balls last year, could hit the open market. They're available to be unrestricted free agents. 20 who had more than 500 receiving yards. 20. That means they played. They were at least a one, two, or three option for their team. They played really good snaps. Only one went real big. Allen Robinson had 1,200 yards receiving. Um, it's a great list. It's, a, it's an outstanding list. All Which different types super- of wide receivers. Go ahead. I was sorry to cut you off, but which is super interesting because they're saying that this draft is wide receiver heavy. Let's get into it. So there's supply here. There's supply in the draft. There's OBJ and player like that available via trade. Possibly they're everywhere. So what does that mean? You know, I've got a big, big contract projection for Chris Godwin. I've got a decent one for Juju Smith-Schuster. Kenny Galladay probably gets decent coin. Maybe not on on a long, long term deal. But those are your three, you know, and Robinson, who I don't know what's going on in Chicago, but he's getting paid. I mean, he's a 20 million plus guy without even really thinking about it. So is it those four and then tons of value? I mean, does Curtis Samuel go for less than 10 million a year? I mean, that's the kind of player every team wants. That second guy who can you can end around with them. You can dump off a one yard pass, a screen pass. You can go deep on them down the edge. There's half the league that wants that guy, but is is his value just going to be torched because draft picks are available because the top four are a level above, a tier above everybody else? I, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens here with 
like you said, they're coming from everywhere. And, and isn't it's just easier just to take OBJ off a trade and restructure his salaries, which are guaranteed down, you know, it may be versus signing yeah, four for 50, you know, on some of these guys. It may be easier just to look at somebody who's got a current contract and, and make it work and, and give up a late draft pick or a couple of mid draft picks to get it. It'd be my question number one with GMs right now, if I could sit down with a group of them. How do you how do you assess this position right now? Because you can get whatever you want, however you want. You know, you can take them early in the draft. My God, the, you know, the Chase kid might go fourth overall from what we're seeing in some of these mock drafts. So you're going to have that, but then you're going to have Allen Robinson, maybe the, a top six wide receiver in all of football, get $22 million a year on the open market. That's, you just don't see that happen. That's, that's not how off seasons generally go. So no question, this is the single position to watch. But in any other year, this kind of supply just means nobody's getting paid. I, I can't see that happening with this position. Can you? No, not not the way the league is going with the passing game. You know, th- they want to stock up on as many weapons from the wide receiver part as is possible. But y- you make a great point of h- how would front offices evaluate yeah. and, and assess because you know you could sign a guy and you can trade a guy as soon as the league year opens. That draft isn't until May, mm-hmm. and who's to say that the the wide receiver that you want is going to be where your draft spot is? And if not, you're going to have to trade up and give up assets to get to that well that point. Let's so let's just quickly it's, it's think about this. Balance. It's a little bit of a cherry pick kind of a statement, but let's just think real quick about the the playoffs we just watched. Which rookie contract wide receiver was the reason that their team? got got into or through the postseason this year? Spoiler, the answer is zero. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I can't okay. think of one. <laughs> the Bills progressed because they acquired Stefan Diggs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers progressed because Mike Godwin and Chris and Chris, uh, excuse me, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were healthy and had a quarterback that could get them the ball, not to mention they signed A.B. off the street and Gronk off the street. Green Bay, we know that we knew they didn't add any weapons. All right. I mean, they had a current roster full of players that he did the best he could with. Keep going. You know, the Chiefs didn't bring in a rookie yeah. at all. Nope. They had a couple of young kids that competed at times, but it wasn't the reason that they were in the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Keep going. You know, Baltimore failed because they didn't do enough in acquiring wide receivers and tight ends, I, I don't believe. So it, it just it doesn't translate. At least not right now. It's not. It's not translating. Nobody's nobody's drafting a kid number eight overall and saying, get, get us to the Super Bowl, man. It's not happening. So, you know, there's some great talent to be had at the top of that draft right now in terms of wide receivers. But like I said, I, I think maybe if OBJ hits the trade market, that may be a top three option for me if I'm one of these teams, if I'm the Raiders or somebody looking to immediately upgrade my wide receiver core. Um, I just think you're right. It's one of those weird conversations you can talk yourself into and out to and out of, but they're coming from everywhere. So don't sell any kind of wide receiver move this offseason. They're everywhere. Tight ends. It's a weak class, possibly very weak. If Hunter Henry gets a second tag, if John Smith gets a tag in Tennessee, it's a very weak class. Did you know Robert Townion caught 11 touchdowns? In 2020? No way. Really? Really? Wow. What are we talking about with there is a red zone problem? 
in that last series. <laughs> what are we talking yeah. about? Your tight end caught 11 touchdowns <laughs> and you're talking about a red zone problem at the end of the year? Come on. Um, it's a weak class. This is a trade situation. All right? Is OJ Howard going to be available in Tampa Bay because of Brayton Gronk? Is David and Joku going to be available in Cleveland? What about Evan Engram in New York on the Giants? Those players seem like they're falling out of favor or could become at least options on the trade block. Seattle's in on a tight end. Carolina's in on a tight end. They haven't replaced Greg Olson yet. Buffalo's in. Dawson Knox is a player, but he's not the player. Uh, they're in, whether that's a draft pick or some kind of acquisition. I, I just have a feeling none of these major players actually hit free agency. So there's going to be other areas, other other ways to acquire a tight end this offseason. How about this uh, offensive line situation that could shake down? Now, I don't expect any of these players to get there, but go ahead, Scott. How about the uh, how about that stat with offensive linemen set to become free agents? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Five offensive linemen had a PFF grade north of eighty. Yeah, including four that were legit starters, and they are. I mean, Trent Williams, it's Sheriff. Like a, it's like a Pro uh, Bowl team. Go ahead, say it. Yeah, left it tackle. Is. You got Corey Lindsay and and uh, Taylor Moten. Yeah, if I said that right. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and we've been talking about for the last few weeks that offensive line is imperative to, you know, the rookie contract quarterback. Yes, those rookie. Yes, those rookie quarterback contracts to to make sure that those players have enough time to see the field. It, we saw a stark difference between. Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and, and Josh Allen. Yep. Oh, it, 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 the numbers are there. You can see it with the eye test. If the offensive line, we saw it in the Super Bowl. You know, that offensive line for the Chiefs was in shambles, they couldn't stop anything. The offensive line for Tampa Bay, they were able to stop that rush and give Tom enough time. That offensive line is imperative and almost underrated um if you can get one of these these starting free agent offensive linemen you're going to help turn around your uh offense immediately so here's the problem okay um and i'm quickly trying to look some things up here for you but off the top of my head here's the point i have to make the Packers extended David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, kind of at the end of the year there. They made him the highest offensive lineman in, in the league at $23 million a year. Um, outside of that, I, I don't know that sinking a ton into one O-lineman can function. And it's kind of the quarterback conversation, you know, a little bit less of the quarterback conversation in terms of paying one player. Because, look, I, I'm just going to rattle this off the top of my head. Trent Williams, minimum 18 a year, probably over 20 million a year. Brandon Sheriff, minimum 16 a year, closer to 18 maybe. Corey Lindsley as a center, minimum 10, probably 12 a year. Taylor Moten, minimum 15 a year for the right tackle. Minimum, maybe more. Lane Johnson makes 18. That's a ton into one player on your offensive line. And if you think about the teams that just got to the postseason, again, recency bias, that just didn't happen. You had a kind of a mishmash of veterans, depth, some rookie contracts, you know, Tristan Wirfs and all those kind of players. It's, I wonder, 
I wonder how that's going to go because certainly Laramie Tunzel at 22 million a year didn't do any favors for Houston's offensive line for, for, for rebuilding yeah. the rest of that. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of when things really shifted North in terms of O-line pay. So, you know, is San Francisco going to give Trent Williams 22 million a year to become the left tackle for X quarterback the next three to four seasons? What does that mean for, you know, a center who's probably off there? Both of their centers are up. What does it mean for cornerbacks replacing Richard Sherman? I, I just worry that it's getting a little bit rich to pay legitimate Pro Bowl offensive linemen when it's not a one-trick situation. That's not a singular position. It's not, you, know, you know, yes, they have roles, but they're still a squad. And if that squad fails in any regard, the whole damn thing breaks down. So it's something to keep an eye on as these prices really go up. And all these guys are getting paid. There's no question in my mind whether that's a franchise tag first remains to be seen. But um, player to watch. It's Daryl Williams. I, I know that's not a, a household name. And, you know, we've been talking a lot, a lot of bills here. I don't think the Bills, I'm positive the Bills won't franchise tag him because it's too high to do that. And, you know, he's probably not even a $10 million per year player, even though that's probably where he ends up. But if he hits the open market and, you know, the the other major tackles don't, he's now kind of the prize. And there's a lot of teams that could use an upgrade on the right side of their offensive line. I could just foresee a bidding war happening. And a guy like that gets way overpaid. In a, in a situation where Joe Burrow needs to stay on the, you know, off or Trevor Lawrence, we got to make sure we got the, we got the right side figured out. Just one of those players to watch who could get way more than any of us really think he should get. Uh, why don't you start the defense for us, man? So you have three defensive tackles that had 10 plus quarterback hits in 2020. Uh, we had Sue Shelby Harris and Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, you know, do you think they're going to get paid? Look, this what, is a weird position. This is a weird position. Yeah. Because, you know, teams that just need run stuffers, they're not going to pay. They're not going to pay. You, and that's what Shelby Harris is. An excellent player who has a ton of stats, can do it all. But he ended up testing the entire market last year and going back to Denver on $3 million. And he was outstanding before he got injured. Outstanding. He's crazy undervalued. I don't know if it happens again, but it it's really weird with these, these players right now. If you're not hitting the quarterback, which is why that's the stat I said, quarterback hits, sacks, those kind of things. If you're not doing that at least a little bit with your resume, you're just getting forgot. You're getting tossed down the barrel. You're getting, you're going to be an April to May signing, you know, after the draft, once we see if we can get, get, get this position filled even cheaper via a draft pick. And if not, we'll get you back on a near minimum contract with some incentives. So Something to watch. Like I said, that Ndamukong Sue situation is going to be interesting if Tampa Bay opts to, to let him walk. You know, does a team value him at 34 years old when he's really not getting to that quarterback anymore? He's more of a situational, horizontal kind of player, still very valuable, but we've just seen those prices drop quite a bit. Not the same yeah. for the edge rushers. You know, the DEs are out. There's some good names. Let's, let's combine defensive ends and rush offensive linebackers into just one big Ed's conversation here. We mentioned Shaq Barrett. There's a couple of players, uh, you know, Bud Dupree and uh, Matt Judon, who suffered injuries on franchise tags, unfortunately. You know, they're gone. They're, they're going to walk out of those teams, respectively. You can bring now J.J. Watt into this conversation. It's very possible in the next 24 hours that Von Miller adds this conversation, whereas his club option has to be exercised soon. 
and I don't anticipate it's going to be. So we're talking Melvin Ingram, J.J. Watt, Von Miller, Shaq Barrett, Leonard Floyd, Olivier Vernon, Bud Dupree, Matt Juden, uh, Hassan Reddick, an outstanding 2020 with Arizona, Troy Hendrickson, outstanding, Trey Hendrickson, excuse me, outstanding 2020 with New Orleans, and Leonard Williams, the the resurrected player from the Jets to the Giants who had an unbelievable year as well on his franchise tag. It's a lot of names. Okay. It is. And wow. these kind of guys generally don't get to the, uh, to, to the open market. Did you Davey and Clowney ruin this entire situation for, for edge rushers? Oh, that's interesting. I totally forgot about that name. So by the yes. way, he's also a free agent. <laughs> so he's forgotten. Yeah. Uh, tag you know, player got traded on the tag. Houston had to pay half of that tag just to get him out the door because he didn't want to play there. Yeah, I remember that. Then he tests free agency. We, we all think he's going to Tennessee. He goes to Tennessee on $12 million when he was supposed to make 18 gets hurt. Now he's been hurt nine times. He's had a holdout. He's been traded, and he's sitting in free agency now. Is this going to be like I, like is this going to be one of those stories now that that drives a narrative for Matt Judon and Bud Dupree specifically who just got injured on franchise tags for instance? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that 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 is probably just an anomaly. I yeah. could be wrong, but I'm I'm going to say no. I I think teams will take a chance on those other players. I, if I remember correctly, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of arrogance with the whole clowny situation and rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Sure. So I, I'm going to say teams are going to take a chance on these players because they need the player to be able to get the sacks, get to the quarterback and, and they're going to take the chance and they're going to sign those players because frankly, they, they need it. You know, we saw what happened in the super bowl with Tampa Bay. They had players that were able to, you know, flush Mahomes, get, get to the back, get through the line. They had players that were able to, to cause disruption and if you can land one of these players, team, teams are going to eat it up. They're going to go for it. I completely agree. I completely agree. And once again, Scott, this this ain't about bringing in some kid off the, uh, out of the draft. That that didn't happen either. <laughs> you know, you know, Chase Young is, is a player, and he he impacted the Washington football team this year. There's absolutely no question about it. His existence on that team made them relevant in a very weird division, but, but he is a player. So I'm not taking away your top five rushers. Okay. Aaron Donald, Chase Young, those guys still matter. If you, if you have the ability to draft that player, that player is going to make an impact for you should make an impact for you. But if you're a contender, I got to go back to the bills who are a pass rusher away, right. From having a, well above average defense, which a lot of people think that's exactly what they need. You're going to pay. And maybe you're not paying the 18 million for Shaq Barrett or the just, you know, 15 million for JJ Watt, if that's what it takes, or the 20 million for Leonard Williams, who could get that. But maybe Hendrickson comes down into the 13, 14 million per year, per year range. That's your guy. My point is there's depth here. There's never depth here. So if your team needs it, these guys are getting paid. But it's not going to be $25 million a year for any of these guys, in my opinion. Nobody's getting Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett money because 
supply exists here where when it never does, not to mention there's draft picks to be had. So this is a this is kind of a cherry picking season for teams, especially contenders that need pass rushers, immediate impact pass rushers. You're not going to have to overpay, in my opinion, for these guys this year. This is the year to, sh- to strike on them. And, and whether or not you have the capital to do it, in my opinion, you make room to get one of these guys in the door because these are all players, real, real players. All right, let's skip down to cornerbacks because it gets us into a Rams-Steelers conversation, which I think is actually a really nice place to kind of finish this. Really really the secondary as a whole. Um, the, the player to watch in terms of the cornerback what are your thoughts on Patrick Peterson, Scott? When's the last time you saw Patrick Peterson play football? <laughs> um, Doesn't it seem like know. he's 40 years old? Yeah. He's 31. He's 31. Really? Yeah. He's he, Wow. Look, if a team wants to do it, he could make some real bank this offseason. Now, I've got him at like 12 to 14, but, you know, Jalen Ramsey's making 21. He's not making that, but he's... Yeah, maybe that's because he's on Arizona where, you know, they're they're out west, so they're usually the late game or and they're not the premier game. So, you know, for us, we don't necessarily get to see, you know, that team as much. But, you know, as you've stated here, he played eleven hundred snaps in twenty twenty. So I mean he's there's no issue viable option. Yeah, there's no age issue here at all. Yeah. So, you know, if he walks out of Arizona, uh I have to think there's half a dozen teams probably in immediately for him. Green Bay, Denver, San Francisco, just to name a few. Um, and subsequently speaking, Mike Hilton with Pittsburgh. Look, like Pittsburgh's losing players. You know, they're they're not only losing free agents, they're probably going to lose guys like Joe Hayden and a couple of the currently signed players as well. Um, he's a do-it-all kind of guy. He's He gets to the quarterback. He makes sacks. You know, he's been asked to do quite a lot as Joe Hayden's kind of shadow guy over there. He's going to hit. I mean, he's going to be, you know where I've got him going? Indy. Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't every great, great player from the Pittsburgh defense or, you know, San Francisco's, it just seems like Indy's going to be an attractive place for players like this. And my point is this, there isn't a superstar cornerback on the market, but there are like eight Seven to eight, really good players. Really, really good players. Troy Hill on the Rams is super underrated because of the fact that Jalen Ramsey's on the other side of the ball. Um, he's an outstanding player, and he can really do some things, especially stopping the run. So if that's something you're in need of, I, the Rams can't bring everybody back, just like Pittsburgh. I mean, they're, they're going to have limitations this offseason. So uh, Troy Hill, the cornerback, and John Johnson, their safety, an excellent safety, pro, an all-pro safety, I, I think they walk. And if those two walk, somebody's benefiting from that. And hopefully it's the right teams and not the Lions. <laughs> but um, big-time money coming there. Big-time money. But in terms of the cornerbacks, it shouldn't be break the bank. It's not going to be Jalen Ramsey, $20 million free agent money. We're not going to see a Byron Jones-type contract, in my opinion, even if players like Stefan Gilmore and Joe Hayden join this conversation and, and get released out of their current contracts, which is very possible. Safeties is a different conversation. Uh, Justin Simmons is probably getting double tagged in Denver because they just can't quit him and they shouldn't get five interceptions, two to three more than any other safety who's hitting the market and more than any cornerback who's hitting the market. I mean, he's essentially the best 
defensive back that's gonna that could hit the open market here. So he's likely getting a second franchise tag. Uh, but then I mentioned John Johnson. The other player to watch here is Marcus May on the Jets. He stepped into a big, big role this year on a Jets defense that was depleted, and he's a do-it-all guy. He grabs balls, makes tackles. He's kind of a scout guy. He can he can play the zone well. To me, he's walking in the big money, like top safety money, even though he doesn't have the two-year production to to kind of calculate that way. That's a kid that one of these better teams who has cap space, um, you know, like a Cleveland, like an Indy, val- would value very, very highly. So the safety market's there. We've seen a couple of good safety markets the past couple of off seasons, but there's depth in cornerbacks, edge rushers, wide receivers, and to some degree running backs. Those are your power positions, this free agency. That's where you want to be living with big names, but also because of the depth there is, does not mean you could get some value? You know, is Juju Smith-Schuster going to drop in value because Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay are going to get big, big money? Maybe Curtis Samuel, maybe, you know, some of these other players. Can you get value? I think definitely in the edge rusher, you will be able to. You're not going to have to tip that $20 million mark to bring one of these guys in. So it's a weird offseason. You know, the cap stuff has so much impact on it. And that's why we started the show that way, Scott. But you know, you. I'm glad you you said what you said because I was going to go there myself. It sure does seem like the signs are pointing in the right direction with this salary cap, and I hate that GMs are probably having the same back and forth that you and I are having this past hour. You know, well, if if this thing gets back up to 198, you know, now we can afford to keep Brandon Scherf on a second franchise tag in Washington versus we either got to extend him to lower his cap it or he's gone. You know, those conversations are those are real team changing conversations. I mean, that's a, that's your left guard. That's one of the most important positions out there. And, and, and teams want to know what that cap is going to be before they have to make all these cap casualties because, you know, yep. it, whether it's at 185 or it stays the same, that could be two or three players that you wanted to keep that you may have to get rid of, or you well, can actually keep Well, them. just think about Green Bay, right? Where's Green Bay in terms of our projected cap space right now? I'm guessing they're probably a little under. They're under. They're like uh-huh. four and a half under, according to what I have right now. You know, give or take. That's without draft picks. That's without restricted tenders. That's without a lot of meat that's coming. So, the, you know, they're probably 10 million under when you, when you factor all that in. My point is, if the cap's 195 instead of 185, like we're saying, that allows you to franchise tag Aaron Jones already without doing anything at eight and a half million or or ten million, whatever it's going to be on a 195 cap. You're you're allowed to keep him now on that tag, which, by the way, opens up in like six days, maybe less. I don't even remember what the day is. It's coming up. It's days away. Um, but that's those are the kind of decisions, you know, the the franchise tag stuff. You know, teams might just have to do it to do it, but you got to remember that's cap they have to then allocate. You know, that's eight to twenty million in terms of what position you have that just immediately come off of your ability to maneuver now, March seventeenth. So, you know, maybe that means you know maybe not knowing the cap means nobody gets franchise tagged, but then but now you're just allowing players to walk in terms of comp picks. You know, is Aaron Jones walking away worth a third round pick for you? I guess, but. I'd rather transition tag him personally <laughs> yeah. if I had to do that. Yeah, you're right. So we'll see. So so final thoughts for me is I, I'm going to bet that the highest 
uh, valued free agent signing is going to be a defensive person because out of the last 10 years, the highest has been a seven out of the last 10 has been a defensive person. Wow. Uh, Cornerbacks have been three times. Defensive ends have been twice. D tackles have been twice. And then the other outliers are two quarterbacks, which were Peyton and Kirk cousins and a wide receiver, which was Mike Wallace. But otherwise it's defense heavy on that highest value. So I'm going to go out there and say that the percentages are pretty good that, you know, like you said, those cornerbacks or, you know, maybe the safety or those defensive rushing offense, defensive line guys, those guys are going to be the ones that teams are probably going to overpay to get because they're going to want their services. So last year was actually, let me look. Who was the highest last year? Is it not Brady? Brady and Rivers? No, it wasn't. It was... um, I'm pulling it up right now. Byron Jones at 82.5. Wow. So total value, yes. Okay. 7 out of 10 defensive. So who's that going to be? I got to tell you right now, the 60 projections I just did, I believe mine was a wide receiver. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't think I'm in your boat and it's because of the demand. It's because there are seven cornerbacks and eight pass rushers right now. And yes, there's a lot of wide receivers, but not to the, I, I believe Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin are my top two free agent contracts right now in terms of value slash average, average salary. Uh, you know, a lot of those rushers outside linebackers, defensive ends, it's about 16, to 18 million, which, you know, that's low. I know it's low, but, that's just that's where I think we're going. So, um, yeah, and maybe we're due, and maybe we're due for a non, you know, defensive player here out of a you know cornerbacks, defensive tackle, defensive end. Maybe we're due for a skilled player to get the money like Wallace did to Miami. Um, you know, all of I, my major contracts are wide receivers. I have Will Fuller at eighty-five million, Kenny Galladay at ninety-three million. So I, I just, I see, I see it as there's such a need across the league for it, but I could be dead wrong. I could, you know, I, I could be absolutely wrong in that regard. Marcus Williams as a safety could, could be up there with you. That could be a contract like that. Leonard Williams, four for 80 is my projection. That could easily get to 90 million um, at, at 20 plus million a year. So you're right. I, it's something to watch. It's, it's a nice little contest. Which players, which player, or which yeah. position is going to have the highest total value contract this free agent offseason? If Dak Prescott, by the way, is able to walk, <laughs> that's going to be your winner. Oh, <laughs> so. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good stuff. This was a little long-winded, but we, we got a lot of data out here, so that's good stuff. Obviously, that piece we're talking about is on com, where I, uh, I reference all of these players we just mentioned with potential destinations, projected contracts, and thoughts, and things like that. And, uh, you know, we'll be keeping up with this as more and more players hit the open market. Obviously, some of these players will become notable free agents immediately if they're released out of their current contracts right now. And the trades are going to come. I think this Marietta situation has some legs. Uh, We'll see what happens in in New Orleans with Drew Brees versus Jameis Winston in the next couple of days. And certainly with Ben Roethlisberger. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, at least what they're saying out loud, makes me believe that they're, they're hoping that maybe Ben will walk away so that they can successfully 
just kind of purge, you know, the things that have to purge, not so much, you know, tank and rebuild, you know, drop it all the way down, but more of a quick rebuild because losing seven free agents and making three cap casualties, but then also bringing back Ben on a, on a big number, that's just counterproductive. That's not, you know, the giants did that exact thing with Eli. It was a terrible team with a $19 million quarterback who wasn't even going to play. So hopefully they've learned and, you know, those two can figure out a situation that's amicable and and respectful and uh, is the right move for that franchise from a financial situation. But it's all about business. There's no question. And it's all about this darn league cap. So hopefully the league gets their stuff together and we can figure this thing out over the next few days as well so that all business can run with the knowledge that there's a league cap of X dollars because it matters. It matters to a lot of things. Scott, good stuff. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. And check out olbg.com, the online betting guide. Free pick'em contest, win cash prizes, become a better gambler in the process. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. 